When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The screenwriter's strike in Hollywood is now entering its fourth month. Go back to May of this year and around 11,000 screenwriters walked off their jobs demanding better pay and benefits. Then, in July, the American Actors Union, which includes 160,000 actors, joined the picket lines. While breaking into the industry has always been an uphill climb, the rise of streaming services, AI, and declining pay has made this journey feel impossible for many aspiring creatives. And it's not just writers and actors who are feeling the pinch. It's musicians as well. But why isn't this group declaring a strike? There's a bunch of different organizations that are kind of all working together, but they're not technically, they don't have the same power that unions have, where you can essentially go on strike and then sort of sit down and negotiate collectively all together for a higher rate. That's David Lowry, a senior lecturer in the Music Business Certificate Program at the University of Georgia. Lowry says that musicians' unions do exist. There's the American Federation of Musicians and the Songwriters Guild of America. However, neither group is officially recognized by the National Labor Relations Board. Without an approved union to collectively bargain on their behalf, Musicians are treated by record labels, concert venues, and streaming services as independent contractors rather than collective employees. We can collectively bargain with a threat of a strike in certain narrow areas where we're seen as providing labor for employers, right? But a lot of times our pay comes from us essentially creating a product whether it's like recording a record and selling that onto a record label, or as a songwriter, you're creating a song and that's a copyright, that's a product that gets licensed out to other people. And when you're not laboring directly for an employer, the rules are very different about whether you can strike. If musicians were to go on strike, it's likely they would delete their music from mainstream platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. However, if they did this, they would be in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. This legislation, which passed in the 19th century, was created to protect free trade. However, it's historically been used against labor unions. The thing that you want a union to do is to sort of sit down and go to, say, all the streaming services and say, hey, uh, we're going to withdraw our work unless we get X amount of money per hour, right? One of the first problems with that is that legally we're not allowed to withdraw our work from streaming services because U.S. copyright law essentially has something called the compulsory license for streaming services, which means they get to use our song. If we got paid well, that would be okay. But the federal government also has a board that sets those rates 
And the board's been better lately at getting us more money, but we're starting way behind the eight ball. We're starting from like a really low rate. Since musicians can't pull their music from streamers, another solution is to set an agreed-upon price per song or album played on these platforms. However, that idea also violates antitrust laws. Even without that compulsory license, if we got together, if we got together and tried to create a union and try to set a price for our songs, it would be sort of seen as colluding or price fixing the way courts have interpreted this issue in the United States, right? So it would be like as if all the coffee shops in your town, all the coffee shop owners got together and said, hey, we're not going to sell lattes for less than $9. Let's all get together and do that, right? That would be seen as anti-competitive price fixing. Like actors and screenwriters, musicians are also dealing with big challenges when it comes to compensation. In the same way actors aren't getting ample residual pay from streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu, musicians aren't getting enough royalties from streamers like Spotify and Apple Music. Compared to the days of CDs and cassette tapes, musicians are making pennies on the dollar. In 2022, Spotify's worldwide annual revenue increased by over 20% from 2021 to $12.3 billion. During that same time, the number of artists who were making over $50,000 on Spotify decreased by 58%. So as the streamers have been making more and more money, musicians have been making less and less. That's Renee Klajic, a volunteer with the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers. She says that before the advent of streaming, music could provide a steady income even for those who weren't super famous. But now you either have to be wildly successful or be independently wealthy to make a career in music. I'm a working musician and my dad was a working musician in the 70s and early 80s. My dad literally was able to buy a house <laughs> with income as a working musician. And like today, the say that music has been devalued in the screen economy is like the understatement of the century. Like we went from an album being worth $10 per sale, you know, like having actual worth, like album sales really meaning something to like fractions of pennies. I'm sure you're wondering how the streaming revenue situation got so bad. Lowry says when these services started out, people thought it would be much more profitable for the sector. This misconception led to record labels making decisions for themselves and their artists that they now regret. I don't think a lot of people saw the streaming services giving away the music for free under an ad-supported tier, right? I think everybody imagined it would be like $30 a month, something like that, you know? So I think people thought the revenue would be a lot higher. There was a kind of a mistake made at the very beginning where the labels essentially agreed to take a percentage of the streaming services' revenues not realizing that those streaming service revenues would actually be quite low. And so this money that was coming in, you know, say 50% was going to the labels, then, you know, 15% of that is going to the artists, right? So a lot of it was just nobody knew what the world looked like or what the world would look like after streaming. While the road might be more difficult than it is for actors and screenwriters, 
both Lowry and Klajic remind us not to lose hope. One potential solution is to lobby federal lawmakers. We are working with members of Congress to push for new legislation that would introduce a new streaming royalty rate, similar to a program that already exists for satellite radio. And we do think that there needs to be congressional action taken to address the fact that streaming platforms are relatively unregulated, and that's how they've gotten away with giving musicians this bad deal. And those of you listening can take action, too. But be warned, it includes ditching Apple Music and Spotify. If you're a music fan or if people listening are a music fan, then be aware that you paying for your Spotify subscription or whatever is not a meaningful way to support the artists that you love. And if you want to support them, the ways to support them that are truly meaningful are coming out to their show, buying their album on Bandcamp, buying their merch, sharing their music and helping other people to know to like support them financially because it's tough out there. If these steps were taken, pursuing music as a career could be a more realistic option for thousands more. This would also lead to a more diverse pool of voices and talent. Those who are in a position to pay musicians fairly, such as venues, such as record labels not doing predatory deals with musicians, and then music fans making sure that you are really valuing that work because like, music is not going anywhere. We love music. But what music industry we end up with and what musicians are able to kind of rise to prominence, that is based on like a lot of factors largely shaped by privilege that like if we collectively value music appropriately, we can end up with a fairer, better, more diverse, more vibrant music industry. To find out more about David Lowry, Renee Klajic, and all our featured guests, visit viewpointsradio.org. For more behind the scenes, check out Viewpoints Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This segment was written and produced by Grace Galanti. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Our studio manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows and find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. Viewpoints.